Well, good morning, church. My name is Jeffrey Samplaski. I'm the student and college pastor here at Great Hills. Um, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to be with you this morning and, and to, in a lot of ways, lead our, our dive into the beauty and the riches of God's Word, because that's what we're doing. Um, that, that's our goal this morning, is to dive headfirst into uh, God's amazing Word. In fact, um, one of the things that, that we try and do here at Great Hills, and we take very seriously, is, is the faithful preaching and teaching of God's Word. That, that's one of our core values here at the church. It's something that, again, we guard very closely, do the best that we can to guard very closely. Because ultimately, God's Word is, is the authority. God's Word is the ultimate authority. This is God-breathed, as we're going to hear in just a few moments. Um, it's just an absolutely amazing gift, God's Word, that He's given to us. And it's the ultimate authority. In fact, one of the things that we tell our students in the student ministry, we tell our, our college the same thing, is there is nothing that I can do or anything that anybody that stands behind this pulpit can do to make this book any more beautiful than it already is. God's Word is beautiful. God's Word is powerful. What God has called us to do as preachers of the Word is to simply proclaim what's already there. It is simply to proclaim, to, to herald God's Word as it's written, explaining God's Word because there is authority in God's Word. So that's our goal this morning is to simply dig into God's authoritative word and to simply talk about what God has already said, because in his word, there's power. So that's our goal for this morning. So once again, I'm excited about leading this dive into the depth of God's word with you. Um, so let me invite you to take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 17. And while you're turning there, I want to take the opportunity to tell you a little bit about a conversation that I had with a really close friend of mine several years back. As many of you know, God has graciously given me just a, a burden for a particular country in East Asia. And I'm going to refer to it as East Asia, and I'll tell you a little bit about why here in just a few minutes. Um, but God's given me a, a, just a, a love and a brokenness for a particular people group in, in East Asia. And I've had the opportunity to, to go to East Asia multiple times, but as I was studying for this text, studying to preach this text, um, I, God brought to mind a conversation that I had with a friend of mine on one of the trips that I've taken to East Asia. Uh, I've got a really, really close friend of mine um, who's a national to this country that I'm talking about. Um, it, we're gonna call him T. Um, T is one of my best friends in the world. I love him to death. In fact, um, to this day, T and I don't even refer to each other by our first names anymore. We re refer to each other as brother. He is my brother that lives on the other side of the world. I am his brother that lives on the other side of the world. I've got a reminder in my phone. The, the first of every month that my reminder goes off and it's just a simple reminder to, to connect with my buddy, to connect with my brother and just to check in to see how he's doing. And it, we've just developed this strong relationship over the years. But several years ago, when I was um, with him face to face, we were having a conversation. You see, T is a pastor of an underground church in East Asia. Um, if you're not familiar with that term, the, the term underground church, uh, it's a term that we use to describe all the churches that meet all around the world in secret because of the real threat of persecution. Y'all, the persecution's real. 
Um, oftentimes people face, uh, churches around the world face persecution from their own governments, just from people groups in the area. Um, so because of that real threat, I've seen people or churches assemble um, in basements. I've seen them assemble behind closed doors, locked and sealed, solid doors. I've seen churches assemble in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness because the threat of persecution is real. The persecution's intense around the world. In fact, um, the way that we're meeting this morning, the way that we're gathered this morning as the, the local body of Christ in freedom, we don't have to worry about somebody coming in and hauling us off because of what we believe, because of our Christian beliefs. That's, church, that's a gift from God. And in fact, if I can go as far as to say what we have this morning is not normal by standards of the world. We have the great privilege of meeting together as the body of Christ in freedom. But church, please know, we have brothers and sisters all around the world who are meeting this morning or maybe later tonight in the middle of the night under the cover of darkness, meeting in these underground churches because the threat of persecution is real. Church, the reason that God is, one of the reasons that God has given us so much freedom in this country to do the things that we do is because so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world don't have those freedoms. May we leverage this freedom that we have as the body of Christ for the advancement of the kingdom of God. But I was talking to my friend, back to that conversation. I was talking to my friend several years ago. And again, he's a pastor of one of these underground churches in East Asia. And I had a conversation with him that I'll never be able to forget. And to be quite honest with you, I don't ever want to. And he was just sharing with me a little bit about some of the, the things that he deals with, some of the day-to-day -day things that he deals with as, as a pastor, as a, a, a preacher of the word, a shepherd. And he was telling me that he had been arrested not too long ago. Um, the country that I'm talking about, it's illegal to evangelize. It's illegal to assemble as the body of Christ. So they do it in secret. So he said one time that he was arrested um, because of the message that he was proclaiming, the truth of God's word. And then he kept going on and shared with me that there was a kind of a, a rumor swirling around in the underground church circle there that the government that was, the, the one that we were persecuting these churches um, were sending, regularly sending officials into these underground churches to, to just sit there and blend in and listen and then report back to the government. And if certain things were preached or if certain things were, were said, there was a real, very, very real possibility that someone would come in and arrest my friend and haul him off to jail. In fact, he went on to tell me that the prisons in this particular country are seen as the seminaries. And the reason is because the people there recognize that if the pastors are willing to keep preaching the word, keep faithfully teaching the word of God, then if they were to go to prison for that, and they're mistreated for that, malnourished for that, if they're ridiculed for that, that, that validates what it is that they're teaching because it's, it's a very real reality that these people may go to prison because of what they teach. So my friend just began to share. And finally, just kind of being overwhelmed in this conversation that I was having with T. I finally looked at him and the only thing that I could conjure up in my mind was T, well, how, brother, 
how can I pray for you? And y'all, to be honest with you, I ask him this question every single month when I talk to him and he always gives me the same answer for years. And when I asked him, T, how can I pray for you? His response was, brother, pray that God would give me perseverance. Brother, pray that God would allow me to faithfully proclaim his word despite opposition. Notice what he didn't say. T didn't say, please pray that my family would be removed from this situation. T at the time had just had a baby girl. Uh, she's about five now. That's something that I can relate to now. <laughs> but he didn't say, pray that God would remove me from this circumstance. He didn't say, pray that God would protect us from the persecution. Now, don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Those are good prayers. That's just not what he said. What he said was pray that God would give my family perseverance. Pray that God would allow me to proclaim his gospel, the full counsel of God's word with boldness and with faithfulness. Well, this morning, the letter that we're in, we're in 2 Timothy chapter three. It's a really unique letter. It's interesting because Paul, the apostle Paul is writing this letter on his deathbed. He's, he's actually about to be martyred for his faith, for the, 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 the message that he proclaims. So what Paul is doing in 2 Timothy under very harsh conditions, what Paul is doing is he's writing this letter to Timothy kind of as a last things. He's writing to him just a letter of encouragement, a letter of admonishment, encouraging him to continue in the faith, keep fighting the good fight, stay faithful. And in chapter three, he, he in some ways, in three and four, he in some ways writes out the, the last things that he wants Timothy to remember right before Paul is taken and, and martyred for his faith. So what does he say to him? He encourages him to continue in the faith. He encourages him to continue in the things that he's learned through the word. So my friend, my question this morning, as we begin to study the word, my question to you this morning is what is it that allows people like my friend T and many brothers and sisters all around the world, what is it that allows people like Paul on his deathbed, about to be cruci crucified upside down, about to be martyred for his faith? What is it that allows brothers and sisters all over the world to be steadfast, to be faithful despite opposition, despite real persecution, real opposition? Church, this morning I submit to you that these are a people who have been radically, radically impacted by the spirit-infused authoritative word of God. These are people who know the word, who have studied the word, who the word through the spirit of God illuminating the truth of God's word has radically in, impacted their lives, radically uh, changed their lives and give them, given them just such a sense of boldness despite the fact that they face real persecution. Church, this morning we have the great privilege of just simply allowing scripture to speak for itself allowing God through the proclamation of his word to tell us about the authority of the word, to tell us about the supremacy of God's word. Church, this book is amazing. This is the very God-breathed, authoritative word of God 
the sovereign God of the universe that we're going to study. Oh, my friends, church, when we are deeply rooted in this book, when we are deeply rooted in this spirit-filled book, my friends, we're communing with the sovereign God of the universe. This morning, we're going to talk about the supremacy or the, the sufficiency of God's word. But before we do that, let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Father, thank you for another day that you have graciously given to us as your people. Father, thank you for filling our lungs with air. The reason that you did that is for your glory. So Father, I pray that everything that we do today would be done for the purpose of your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. God, as I get ready to read your word, as I get ready to preach your word, Father, I humbly admit that I'm but a feeble man. Father, these people, your people, your church, God, they don't need to hear from me. Father, they need to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would allow me to simply be faithful to your text. Simply allow me to preach your text as it is because your people need to hear from you. And then Father, I pray this morning, it's the same thing that I've been praying all morning. God, that your son would be given the reward for his suffering. The pure and spotless bride that is his church. And Father, I recognize that your word leads us to that purity. So Father, I pray that as we open the word, as we study the word, God, that you would help us do it in such a way that it would lead us to holiness so that we can be presented to your son as pure and spotless because he deserves it. Oh, Father, would you be glorified as we study your word? It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, church, once again, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 17. And this text says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. May God add his blessing to the reading and study of his word. So church, this morning, I, I want to draw three truths, three central truths out of our text for today. And what I would encourage you to do is I'd encourage you to write those down, whether that be in your journal or whether that be in the insert that's in your guide for today. Um, I think there's, there's three points that are on there and uh, there's a, a blank, like a kind of a fill in the blank thing. I would encourage you to fill those in, take that home with you and, and use those during your time of study as you go back later and, and study through this text on your own. So three, three points that I want to give you drawn straight out of the text. The first one, point number one, truth number one, we are saved by the word. 
Verse 14 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice what the text says. It says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which what? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is a reference to the Old Testament. The words sacred writings, it's a reference to the Old Testament. That's what Paul and Timothy would have studied. They, they would have known this. And of course, as we know, um, the, the New Testament was still being penned at the time that this happened. Nowadays, if we fast forward to where we're at today, we have the, the entire Bible, what we call the closed canon of scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have, we have all of it. And according to what scripture says about itself, um, the authoritative God, word of God says about about itself, there will never be anything added, nor will there ever be anything taken away. This book is exactly the way that God wants it to be. This is God speaking to us. So what Paul is communicating to Timothy is when you study the Old Testament, remember, remember that you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So church, what's interesting? Again, the reference to the Old Testament, like I said, um, they, they had the Old Testament, um, New Testament was still being written. Now we have the compiled word of God, all of it, the closed canon of scripture. Church, I, I wanna encourage you as we recognize that all scripture points us forward to Christ. All of it is one continuous story that leads us all the way up to the coming of Christ, the coming and the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All scripture, one of the things we tell our students in the student ministry is all, all scripture points us to Jesus. When you study scripture, look for Jesus, look for how this particular part of a passage of scripture points us towards that redemptive story that is Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen and coming again. It'll absolutely revolutionize the way that you read the Bible. That includes the Old Testament. The Old Testament points us forward to the coming Savior. He is Jesus. And church, I, I want to encourage you. If, if you've never spent time studying through the Old Testament, please know the Old Testament points you to Jesus. In fact, if you've never studied it before, church, I, I want to highly, highly encourage you to do so. We can't unhitch the Old Testament from the new. When you study through the Old Testament church, it'll, it'll give you such a crystal clear picture of who our God is, the, the, the character and the work of our God. It'll give you such a crystal or a more clear picture of who Jesus is when you study through the, the New Testament church. The Old Testament really sets the stage, the groundwork for the coming of Christ. So I want to encourage you, if you've never studied the Old Testament, I want to, I want to encourage you to do so. Spend some time pouring over that word because it points you to Jesus. One commentator said the Bible narrates the ongoing flow of redemptive history that moves ultimately to the person and work of Jesus. All of scripture points us to Jesus. But church, I also wanna be really careful with the words that I use here. Um, because ultimately we are saved through Jesus. We're saved by Jesus. And we do recognize that according to what the Bible teaches, that, that, that Jesus 
came. He came as fully God and fully man, lived among sinful people, but was himself not sinful. He was pure, he was spotless, he was absolutely perfect. And he lived among sinful people for 33 years, teaching them the truth of God's word, leading them to himself, seeking out like what we've been studying, seeking out the one, leading people to salvation. Ultimately at age 33, Jesus goes to the cross, is crucified on our behalf. Our sin, scripture says our sin was transferred to him and he was crucified on our behalf. He, he died on our behalf, satisfying the wrath of God. But he didn't stay dead. Jesus came back from the grave, praise God that he did. Jesus came back from the grave and when he died, he, he, he paid the penalty for our sin. But when he rose again, he reigned triumphant over sin and death. Praise God that he did. And now scripture tells us that when we put our belief in him, Acts 16, when we put our belief in Jesus, his righteousness is transferred to us. And that makes us in right, puts us in right standing before the holy God of the universe. Praise God that Jesus is the way. And church, even now, I wanna stop and just simply say, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and savior of your life, don't wait for me to finish. It's too important of a decision. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the only way to the Father. So if you've never put your belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you to do so even before I finish. So I do recognize that Scripture teaches that, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. However, the revelation of Christ that we do have, who He is and what He has done, is the Word of God. Church, the Bible is God breathed. It is God out of his mouth telling us who he is and what he's done. In the same way that God spoke and darkness, utter and complete darkness became light. Creation happened, creation obeyed him. In the same way that he spoke and, and the universe was created, in the same way that Jesus spoke and Lazarus came from death to life, in that same way God spoke and this book came into existence. Church, this book is out of the very mouth of the sovereign God of the universe. And what does it do? It points us to Jesus. Out of God's mouth, this book tells us who God is. It tells us about the character of God. Out of the very mouth of God, God tells us about his redemptive plan for bringing sinful humanity back into right standing with the holy sovereign God of the universe. So this book is God's revelation. It's the mode that God chose to reveal his son, the savior of the universe to humanity. But there's also kind of an offshoot that I wanna push into here. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Church faith comes through hearing. There's a common phrase floating around the church today. And I'm not specifically talking about Great Hills. I've never heard this claimed as truth at Great Hills and I'm grateful for that. But this is a phrase that seems to be growing in its intensity around the world. And it's this phrase, always teach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Church, I'm not even gonna try and explain that. The Bible stands in stark contrast to the statement and therefore on the authority of God's word, I reject it. 
We must always use words to preach the gospel because this is the mode in which the sovereign God of the universe has chosen to communicate his redemptive plan to a dead world. Church, we must proclaim this gospel to the world because it's out of the mouth of God, it's authoritative and it brings dead things to life. My friends, living a, living a moral lifestyle around your family or even talking about God with your friends is not enough to lead someone to salvation. You cannot have salvation apart from God's revelation, the Bible of his son, Jesus. And the way that God chose to reveal his son, Jesus, through the savior of the world is through his word. Church, what the world needs is not another clever Facebook post. It's not another clever argument. What the word needs is the faithful teaching of the word of God because the faithful teaching of the word of God is what brings things to life, brings dead things to life. It is what God has given us to reveal his son who is the savior of the world, the remedy for dead people. Ephesians chapter two, people that are separated from the God of the universe. So church, number one, we must preach the word because, num because the word leads to salvation. Point number two, we are sanctified through the word. Notice what verses 16 and 17 say, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Once again, know that this passage, what it says is it's breathed out by God. It's out of the very mouth of the sovereign, almighty God of the universe. In all of it, not just a little bit of it, all of it, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Church, these words that are used here are all, all words that describe the growth of the believer. Some of them hurt. That's what happens when the word is taught. The word, scripture compares the word to, to a sword. It cuts precise, it cuts deep at times, and it cuts away the dross in our life, the things that don't reflect Christ, that don't honor Christ, so that we can be a more perfect representation of Christ. It's also encouraging. It encourages us in our walk, in our, in our fight, in, in this world that we live in. All these words describe the growth of the believer. Church, I absolutely love how Paul continues in this letter after telling Timothy that, that, that this word, this authoritative book points us to salvation in Christ. I love that Paul doesn't venture away from this book, but he gets back into it. It's absolutely incredible. Paul tells Timothy, number one, you're saved by the word, but then he goes on to tell him you never graduate from the word. There will never come a day, church, in which you move on to something else other than the word. You will always be a student of the word. Believer, be a student of the word. I love this. As believers, there will never come a point in time in our lives, as long as we live in this world, there will never come a point in time in our lives where we graduate from God's word, where we become so, I guess, quote unquote, Christian, that eventually we move away from the word onto something else. My friends, church, this word, this book leads us to salvation, and then it grows us into a more perfect representation of Christ as we study it. This book is amazing. Why? Because again, it's the God-breathed authority of word of God. 
Brothers and sisters, there will never come a day in which you graduate from the word of God and move on to the latest hit in the Christian bookstore to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Now, let me put a little disclaimer on that too. I'm not saying that, that those, those books in the Christian bookstore are bad, some, some are, but I'm not saying that they're bad. Uh, what I am saying is that we must not allow those supplemental resources to replace our study of the word of God. Why? Because this book is the, God, this is, this book is the only book that God has promised to bless his people through. Church, we must be students of the word. In fact, if every other resource on earth but the Bible were to suddenly disappear, we would have everything that we need to grow in Christ, to grow further into the image of Christ. Why? Because we have the word of God that's God breathed out of the very mouth of the sovereign God of the universe. Now I understand, and I can almost hear the question now, does the Bible relate to me here and now? Well, if, if, if we have everything that we need in this book, if, we, if it's sufficient, if it's sufficient for where I'm at walking in life right now, um, does it relate to me where I'm at here and now? Because there's certain things in my life that I'm walking through that, that the Bible doesn't specifically deal with or doesn't explicitly deal with. My answer to you is, you're right. The Bible doesn't explicitly deal with every single circumstance that you'll walk through in this world. Now, let me explain before somebody throws something up here at me. It doesn't explicitly explain every single circumstance that you walk through in this world. I'm a student pastor. I spend a lot of time with students. It's, it's what I do. You won't find a place in the Bible that deals explicitly with teenage dating. You won't find something, it's not in there. You won't find something in the Bible that deals explicitly with something like doing your taxes or living in this world with cancer. You won't find something like that that's explicitly in there. So you're right, it doesn't deal with every single circumstance in your life, but it's still sufficient. Why? Because the purpose of the Bible is not to explain every single circumstance that you'll walk through in this world. The point of the Bible is Christ's likeness, is to look more and more like Christ. And what's interesting is as we study God's word, as we pour over God's word, God uses his word. He always does it because God promised to bless his people through his word. As we study the word, we grow to look more and more like Christ in this world. We grow to think like Christ, to, to feel like Christ. We grow to act like Christ. It's this process called sanctification. God's growing us through his word, the authority of his word to look more like Jesus. But what's interesting is as we study the word, as we grow in our knowledge of the word, as we grow in our knowledge of who Christ is, we grow in just an intimacy with him. And as we walk through those circumstances in life, he's there. We get to walk through it, with an through, through the circumstances in this world, with an intimate relationship with the sovereign God of the universe. That is the greatest news on earth. As we walk through this world, God, through his word, as we're growing in our Christ likeness, as we begin to look more and more like Christ, he'll lead us, he'll guide us as we walk through this world. Church, we must be a people 
who regularly pour over the word of God. We must be a people who regularly just dwell, just swim in the word of God. Because this is the mode that God has promised to bless his people through. This is the mode that God has promised that he will grow us further into the image of Christ, his son. Oh, church, a church that is faithfully pouring over the word of God. The sufficient authoritative word of God. Oh, church, that's a church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. May we be a people of the word, a student of the word, the very breathed out words of God. So number one, we're saved by the word. Number two, we're sanctified through the word. Number three, we're obedient to the word. Notice what this passage says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we grow in the Lord, as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord, this book compels us to action, to be obedient to it. We, God, what God has called us to as the people of God is obedience. But I'm not talking about some type of like, like all God is after is just like a, a dominant obedience. God wants us to walk faithfully with him and be obedient to him, but he's not calling us. He has not called us to simply pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do it ourselves. As we pour over the word of God, God works in us to change our mind and our hearts, our, our affections to him so that the overflow of our hearts, the overflow of looking more and more like Christ is to be obedient to him. Church, as we study the word, it leads to obedience. One of my seminary professors showed it to me this way. If you've got your bulletin, take your bulletin, flip it over or find a, a, a place on your bulletin where you can draw a little bit. I'm a terrible artist. Um, so maybe you're a little bit better than me. What I want you to do is I want you to start and make one circle, one small circle in the middle of that, that bulletin. And inside that circle, or if you have to, you can draw a little line from the circle out to like the margins of the piece of paper. And what I want you to do is I want you to write Christ in me on that line. From there, I want you to draw a bigger circle around that smaller circle. And I want you to draw another line from that out into the margin, the same way that we did the first one. And on that, write mind and heart. And then finally, one more circle, one big circle that overlaps those others, that surrounds those others, and another line coming straight out of that and right action. Church, when we pour over the word of God, which it points us to salvation, it points us to Christ. It, it, as we study the word, it, it causes us to grow in our knowledge of God. 
And as a result of Christ in us, it changes our minds to think like God. It changes our hearts to feel like God. It changes who we are as we grow in that Christ likeness. And as a result of Christ in us, changing our minds and our, the affections of our hearts, that leads to action, that leads to obedience. As we study the word of God, God gives us everything that we need to be obedient to him. Church, what we need in this church, what we need in the world, what the world desperately needs is a people who are faithful students of the word of God. Parents, pour God's word into your students. Families, pour God's word into your students. Spend time pouring over the word of God. As a student pastor, I'm often faced with a very heartbreaking statistic. That statistic tells us that by the age of 18, or rather when a student graduates from, from student ministry, there is like a three quarter chance that that student's gonna walk away from the church and never come back. That is startling, that's heartbreaking. May we not be okay with that. But what that reveals church, what that reveals walking away from the church, it, it reveals a heart issue. And the only, the only way that, the only remedy for that heart issue is to train our children, train our students up in the knowledge of the word, in the knowledge of the Lord, pour the word into your students. What happens when we pour that word into our students, it changes the affections of their hearts by making us more Christ-like and that results in obedience. Church, the issue of pornography is a huge issue that's wreaking havoc all over the church. It's a dangerous ish issue. Pastors are falling out of ministry regularly. It's heartbreaking, it's terrifying, but they're falling out of it as a, a result of, of pornography and the unbelievable effects that it, it has on people. And I would venture to guess that there's probably people in this room right now that are dealing with that. My friends, pornography, it, the issue is not a physical issue. That's an effect. The issue's a heart issue primarily. That's an issue of the heart. It's where the heart seeks gratification in things of this world rather than seeking the gratification in, in God and in satisfaction in God. Any attempt to combat this very real issue must start at the heart level. We can't go to some type of book that gives us 10 steps to, to freedom from pornography before we primarily go to the word of God because church, it's a heart issue. The affections of the heart must be changed. We must find our satisfaction in Christ before that effect of looking at pornography, looking at the things of this world for satisfaction before that falls away is not important anymore. Church, when we pour over the word, when we're studying the word, God gives us Christ in us, changes our minds, changes the affections of our heart. And again, that leads to active obedience to what God has called us to. Why? Because suddenly the things of this world just don't seem to satisfy anymore. 
Because we've got someone so much greater that we're walking faithfully with. Because our hearts have found the affection of our heart in Christ. That's the only remedy. Church, we must be a people who know the word, who proclaim the word. Because this word is breathed out by God and it brings dead things to life. This word makes us look more like Christ. So church, I wanna challenge you in closing, recognizing that the word of God leads to salvation in Christ. Recognizing that this book that's breathed out by the very mouth of God leads to us looking more and more like Christ. It's this process called sanctification. And church, recognizing that the word of God leads to obedience. Christ in us, in the very center of that circle, as a result of Christ in us, that changes our hearts, that changes our minds, to look more and more like Christ, to think and feel like Christ, And as a result of that, it leads to action. So church, I wanna challenge you. Be a student of the word. Take your time pouring over the word of God seriously. Oh church, that time pouring over the word of God, communing with, with God, the sovereign God of the universe, it flows into everything else that you do in your life or everything that you will do in your life. Church, the message that's revealed in this book is what makes dead things come to life. If we are to be a church that advances the kingdom of God, that that points people to salvation, we must be a people who proclaim the message of this book faithfully. Church, we must be students of this book. May that be, may that be the reputation that Great Hills Baptist Church has, that we are a people who love the word, who know the word and who proclaim the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for another day that you have graciously given to us. Father, I pray. Oh God, thank you for this book. Thank you for the word of God. Father, for if it wasn't for the word of God, breathed out by the very mouth of God, I would still be separated from you. I would still be in my sin. So God, thank you that through your word, you have chosen to reveal your son, my redeemer to me and to many others in this room. So Father, as we get ready to move into our time of invitation, I pray, God, that if there's any in this room this morning that don't know you, Father, that have never been brought to life by Jesus and him crucified, oh, Father, I plead with you. Oh, Father, I plead with you that today would be the day of salvation. Father, our savior has come. Our savior has come providing 
a way for us to be reconciled to the God of the universe. Father, what you've called us to, to have that righteousness in our lives is belief in the one who died, belief in Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray that if there's any in here, and I'm sure there are, Father, if there's any in here that don't know Jesus, oh God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And Father, for the rest of us that are believers, God, I pray that your word God, that we would hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, I pray that we would have such a high view of your word because of the one that it points us to. Father, I pray that we would be, a, be students of the word, a people of the word. And God, as a result of that, I pray that we would be such a great reflection of your son in this world. Father, I pray that this book would spur us on to obedience. And Father, I pray that we would walk faithfully with you. God, I pray that we would be that church that the gates of hell will not prevail against because your son deserves that. May that be the case for this church. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, as we begin to sing here in just a few moments, the song is gonna be, uh, it's gonna act as our time of response. Uh, we recognize that whenever the word is taught, it, it leads to obedience. It always demands a, a response. So just like I was praying a minute ago, maybe I was praying for you. I've been praying for you for a long time. So is the rest of the staff and many people in the church. If you're that person that, that may not know Christ, you may not have put your belief in him as the Lord of your life. I wanna challenge you that here as we begin to sing, there's gonna be pastors all over the front, pastors and church leaders all over the front of this auditorium. If that's you and you sense that God is drawing you to himself, maybe God has kind of put this stirring in your heart for him, revealing to you that maybe you don't know him. I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you. In fact, I wanna plead with you that if you don't know Jesus, come grab one of these leaders and ask them to show you what it looks like to know and to walk in, in relation with the God of the universe. Church, the same thing that we tell our students, there's no single, there's no greater decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. There's also not a decision that's more important than that one. The consequences are eternal. So friend, if you don't know Jesus, I wanna challenge you to grab one of these leaders that are gonna be up front and put, ask them to tell you more about what it looks like to know the God of the universe. It's the greatest decision ever. Church, you may be here and through the teaching of the word, God may have real, revealed some type of sin issue. I wanna encourage you to repent of that and to walk faithfully with God. God may reveal to you that you're just walking through some stuff and you just need somebody to come beside you. One of the, my favorite things about the church is God's designed the church for people to live in community with each other, sharing each other's burdens and, and just the, the hurts of life and the joys of life together. You may just be walking through some stuff. I wanna encourage you, have the freedom as the Holy Spirit leads to grab one of these leaders or one of these people that are across the front and just share with them what it is that you're walking through and let them walk with you. For the rest of you through the teaching of the word, as God reveals his son, God may just have stirred inside of you just a heart of worship a heart that's in awe of who God is. I wanna encourage you to stand and, and just worship God for who he is. But whatever that response is, I, I wanna challenge you 
be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you'll stand with me in worship.